All right, Cole. How about this one? B7. Miss. All right, Jeff. Let's go with C12. Hit. (laughs) D2. Miss. Really? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. How about C11? Miss. Jeff. Come on. Hit. (laughs) You sunk my battleship. Good for you, Cole. (sighs) Good afternoon. Welcome to Screen Cleaning. This is the Black Friday edition, and you've just heard Cole beat me in a game of battleship. Seems like we're playing games every week that Cole beats me. Right. (sighs) I think that's the point we were trying to get across. Let people know what they're to expect in an typical episode of screen cleaning. Well, I know how I'm going to level the playing field because coming up on the show here in a little bit, we are going to be having a trivia contest and you are not invited to play. So I've got that increases my chances right there, right, Cole? I think so. So welcome to Screen Cleaning. As we said, we're here every Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern, uh, 11 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And each and every week we do our darndest to shine a big old spotlight on all that is good in entertainment. And on this Black Friday weekend, we realize you're going to be out there at all the big stores and maybe online doing your Christmas shopping, which is not a bad idea because there are plenty of good deals out there if that's your thing. It's mine. I'm not the type of person that will venture out to the stores because I don't want to be trampled. Trampled. Right. Sad story. Um, But I will look online, see if I can get me some good movie deals and electronic deals and who knows what else. How about you, Cole? Are you a Black Friday shopper? Well, if my parents didn't listen to the show so regularly, I'd tell you that I was going to get them something for Christmas this Black Friday, but I'll keep it a secret. Hmm. You're going to tell me during the break, right? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, great. And we also realized that you have plenty to choose from when it comes to movies in the movie theaters. And we're going to get to that in just a second with three new movie reviews, all big releases. And we'll see which one will have a knockout at the box office. Hmm? Huh? And I got a good prediction as to that one as well. But before we get to that, Cole, I understand you've got some news. Right. And there's movies that you can see even without having to venture out to the movie theater also, because you can watch them in your own home, YouTube, as we know, is great at bringing creator content to us, is now bringing movies to us as well. <gasps> Color me intrigued, Cole. So, it's going to be ad-supported, so they're kind of expanding. I, I view it as them expanding their YouTube red. You can already pay to watch TV and movies with YouTube as well, but now they're bringing just the free YouTube platform is bringing movies to us as well that you can watch with just your normal ad breaks included. Okay, anything good on the list? To Rocky choose from? one, two, three, four, five, and six. Hey, what a perfect time to be watching having a Rocky marathon. Which. You mentioned you normally see one on TV somewhere around this time of the year. Right. This or James Bond. Mm-hmm. Great franchises. Plenty to choose from. But YouTube is bringing us the Rocky Marathon this year. If Rocky's not your style, Agent Cody Banks, All Dogs Go to Heaven, some Legally Blondes, and some other movies are also going to be available to just bring up on YouTube. Totally free. You just got to watch some ads like you normally would. So aside from the Rocky films, really kind of the bottom feeders of the movies 
right? You can do your own exploring, but there weren't a lot of high Rotten Tomatoes scores when I was doing some research. You know what? This is just fine because a lot of people, I'm sure if they're watching movies at home, they're going to be wrapping presents and they just want to have something on in the background. So you probably could do a lot worse than Illegally Blonde or I can't vouch for Agent Agent Cody Banks. I've never seen it. But uh, there is one more movie, though, that you might be able to see this weekend on YouTube that's a little higher quality. Okay. We know that there's a new Lego movie coming out. Yes. Aptly called the second part in next February. It's called Lego the 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 Lego movie Two. the the second second part. part. A little redundant, but Um, it works. But as an ad for this movie, YouTube will be streaming the entirety of the first movie. Yes. Without ads because – Watching the movie is itself an ad for the second one. (laughs) But if you come on on Black Friday for 24 hours only Pacific Standard Time, uh, you can tune in and watch just the Lego movie back to back to back to back like it's a Christmas story. That's great news. One of the best comedies of the last decade. It's a very good For sure. Yeah. Well, Cole, let's get into these movie reviews. We mentioned that there were three big ones to choose from this weekend, and I'm I'm going to leave the best one for last. I assume it's the best. I didn't watch it. You did. Um, so of the two that I saw, I want to know, do you want me to start with the movie that you should see or should not see? Let's give them a buildup. Let's start with the lowest one and then work our way up. <laughs> okay. Well, you know the classic tale of the famous outlaw who robs from the rich and gives to the poor? I've heard of him. Yeah. He's a little fox. He has little fox friends in the Sherwood Forest. If only we were seeing that version in theaters this weekend, Cole. No, not the delightful Disney romp. This is— Oh, so it's Cariulis with a British accent making fun of the Sherwood Forest. Another great version of Robin Hood, but you'd be wrong there, too. Oh, isn't there a gritty one that came out with... Uh... Russell Crowe? Uh-huh. Nope, not that one. Didn't see that one, so I can't vouch for that either. But there's another one. This is the version that I assume uh, studio execs thought that we wanted. Um, in this version, we get a glimpse, as we do in many of the others, of young Rob reluctantly fighting in the Crusades. And he basically is dishonorably discharged for having a heart. He tries to save the son of Jamie Foxx's character. Yes, Jamie Foxx is in this movie. When he returns to London, he finds his estate is in ruins. He's been presumed dead. And worst of all, some other bloke, Jamie Dornan of Fifty Shades fame, has stolen his girl. The lovely Maid Marian, of course. Okay, wait a second, though. So this is a guy that wears green and shoots arrows that was presumed dead and then came back later to realize that his fortune was taken by someone else. That is literally the plot of the first season of Arrow on the Mm, CW. Interesting. (laughs) I would think that they would be similar in execution and style. Well, with the help of Jamie Foxx's Little John, only he's only called Little John because no one can pronounce his actual name, and he's basically an amalgam of Little John and Morgan Freeman's Azim from Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. The other one that you did not mention, Cole, I'm surprised you didn't. Oh, and I also forgot the actual good ones from the 1930s. Okay, yeah. So he sets out with Little John to unite the people against the corrupt sheriff of Nottingham, who in this case is played by Ben Mendelsohn, who I think is only taking villain roles these days, and to restore order, peace, and harmony. So, again, basically the same plot as every other Robin Hood movie. Now, let's talk about this film a little bit. Let's get down to—you mentioned the grit. Let's get to the nitty-gritty of this film, Cole. 
I spent the whole movie wondering where is the character development? Where are the characters that you're actually rooting for or that you care about? Um, where is the time given to the main cast to develop some chemistry? The movie is just one big two-hour movie trailer. It's moving at such a rapid pace that you don't have time to slow down and actually process what you're seeing or to develop any feelings for the characters that you're seeing on screen. And it's so fast and it's so in-your-face and loud that the few attempts at humor that they actually have in the film are just lost in the shuffle. You spend the whole time pining, oh, how I wish I was watching the Kevin Costner version where he kind of attempts a British accent and then other parts of the movie, it's just not existent. So, yeah, you just you're wishing that this was a different version of Robin Hood. I mentioned Jamie Foxx, and yes, he is in this movie. He is actually one of the brighter spots in the movie, I thought. He is actually trying his hardest to do something with this script that really gives him nothing to do. It's it's a big, giant mess. And it's interesting because when the movie was over, I was hearing comments from the other people that were pre-screening this film that I, they were the exact same thoughts I was having, Cole. The whole time I kept thinking, this is reminding me a lot of King Arthur and the Legend of the Sword, mm. which is another movie which kind of has a different interpretation of a of another legend that we've had many iterations of that story. A legend story. from the public domain right. that people can just make. I far prefer King Arthur and the Legend of the Sword to this film. And I predict that it's going to suffer a similar fate as King Arthur at the box office. This movie picked a real bad time to get released. And again, I mentioned the other people that saw this film, they were saying the exact same thing. Oh, it reminded me of King Arthur and the Legend of the Sword. So I wish I could say that I could recommend this movie or that I even liked it, but I can't and I don't. I'm sorry. Anyway, that's Robin Hood, one choice. can't like them all. Don't so, have to be sorry. Now for the option that you should see, Cole. Oh, good. So when you see the director of this film, you think, oh, my goodness, we're going to have just like a fun, silly romp. This is the guy that directed Dumb and Dumber, Kingpin, There's Something About Mary. And now he's directing a movie that deals with serious civil rights issues. Seems a little out of his wheelhouse, right, Cole? Right. Well, and, you know, you think, okay, well, he's it may not be Dumb and Dumber or Kingpin, but surely one of the 50 people that he uses in every single one of his movies is going to have some sort of a cameo. No, they're not to be found at all. It's not the 90s anymore, Jeff. So let me give you the premise of Green Book. This is a PG-13 rated movie. It's starring Viggo Mortensen and Mahershala Ali. A club bouncer is looking for temporary work. He's hired as a driver for a renowned concert pianist. The twist is the concert pianist is black, and the the bouncer has a little bit of a prejudice against people of uh, black color, let's just say. And you might be wondering, why is it called Green Book? Well, the titular Green Book is essentially a travel guide filled with color approved or colored approved accommodations. Here's where you can go if you're black. 
here's where you should stay away from because you're not allowed there, basically. Right. Okay, so this obviously takes place in the early 1960s, and they're taking a concert tour in the Deep South. So Viggo Mortensen is basically hired to not only drive Mahershala Ali around to all these different venues— but to, you know, be his security detail, for lack of a better term. Which he might need in the 1960s. Right. right. And Viggo Mortensen actually beefed up for this role. I think cool. I think I read he gained like 45 pounds for this role. <laughs> and uh, they, he's, he's so great in this film, as is Mahershala Ali. They help each other out. Mahershala helps Vigo express himself to uh, to his wife more elegantly and without profanity, I might add. And Vigo helps Mahershala stick up for himself. Now, I thought it was interesting that it was co-written by the son of the actual driver in this the, – the character of the driver in this film. So it's based on a true story. Kind it's of inspired by a true story. Okay. So it's probably nowhere near what actually happened. But the, the actual driver, his son, co-wrote the movie with Peter Farrelly, who also directed the film. And it's executive produced by Octavia Spencer. So there are oh, some and I red... love everything that she touches recently. <laughs> right. And there are some red flags that, OK, this is a, a movie that people are trying to send a message about. They want to teach us a lesson. They want to make sure that um, people are – not going to have issues with prejudice going forward. Good message. So, right, right. Um, and this movie is actually being highly criticized for being a white film made by white people about black people. So they're kind of being criticized for that. And to be fair to those criticisms, it mostly plays it safe, the whole movie. It kind of, you can see the boxes being checked off. Okay, we got somebody being thrown out of a bar because they're black here. We've got somebody saying that they can't eat in this restaurant because they're black. You don't really feel a sense of risk or doom throughout the movie. They're playing it safe. However, this film is funny. I mean, it's directed by Peter Farrelly after all, right? And it has one of the funniest lines toward the end of the film. And the punchline of it has to do with Pittsburgh, so right. you might enjoy that. I'm not going to give away what it is. And I have to say, Cole, it was so, so refreshing to see a film that does not rely on special effects or CGI. And it's a well-made film. So you're sitting there watching it and you're I, I left the theater thinking, oh, my goodness, this was just like straight camera shooting. No tricks, no CGI. It's just a good Comedy drama, and I really, really enjoyed it. There's a line toward the end of the film that one of the the members of the the trio, the uh, Mahershala Ali trio, says, it's not enough to be a genius, basically. He says, it's not enough to be a genius. It takes courage to change hearts. And, you know, I, I kept thinking a lot of these people in the film that were prejudiced against black people it comes from their upbringing, right? So to a certain extent, you can kind of understand why they feel that way, right? Um, I just want to share, since it's Thanksgiving, I want to share how grateful I am that I was brought up in a home of acceptance, tolerance, love. I am not claiming to be perfect. And 
I don't think anybody really is, no matter what your color is, no matter what your religion is, no matter what your sexual orientation is. I don't think anybody's perfect in those regards. I I, I kind of believe that everybody, consciously or subconsciously, has just a smidge of prejudice, whether it's against another race, another religion, another, uh, you know, like I said, sexual orientation. So it does bring up some good talking points if you are seeing this with younger people. However, I would not recommend seeing it with younger people because there is a lot of strong language in here. They kind of take it to the limits of the PG-13 rating, so it is something to be aware of. But of the two, this is the one to see. And I'm curious to know, Cole, if the one that you saw wins over these other two if it gives, if there's a KO involved. So I have not seen Robin Hood or Green Book, but I went to see Creed 2 also out this Thanksgiving weekend, and I very much enjoyed it. Yes! I'm it was, so happy to hear you say it's that. It's not quite as good as the first Creed, in my opinion, but it does build off of it in an interesting way, and it continues the story, which is what we always want in these franchises, in a personal way. So it's easy to criticize this movie for being just a a nostalgia grab because the whole core of the movie is it's Creed's son versus Drago's son. We're rehashing Rocky Four. the fight goes to Russia, all of these things happen again. But if you're going to make that family connection and those nostalgia elements a part of your movie, then what you're supposed to do is make that a true theme of the movie, make family a part of what we're supposed to take away. And that's exactly what Creed does. And that's what we want too, right? Yeah. We want the nostalgia. So Creed 2 gives us the nostalgia and it makes fun of, you know, the boxing people in the world saying this is the fight we want. And it's also the movie that we want. Mm -hmm. Um, But they take those easily criticizable things that, you know, are nostalgia-y and makes them a core element and a a run-through of the entire movie, how important family is. And they examine Adonis's relationship with Apollo that he wasn't able to have because Apollo passed away when he was in a fight with Drago and it it treated that family element really well. And I mean, you don't have to look much farther than the casting to see that they're definitely going for nostalgia here, right? Yes. So Ivan Drago comes back with Dolph Lundgren. Oh boy. Sylvester Stallone is there as always. Um, and Wood Harris plays... Again, he comes back to play Apollo's trainer's son who trains now Adonis. It, yeah, it does a lot with that family. Cole, the, the 10-year-old boy in me is just giddy right now because I just have such good memories of watching all the Rocky movies on TV. Um, so I, what I want to do real quick, because I'm curious to know where Creed Two falls in the and all of the eight films involved here. So real quick, I want to give you my ranking of the Rocky films, and then I want to hear your ranking of the entire eight films and see where Creed Two ends up. Okay. Sound fair? Sounds fair. Okay, so there's no question about it. The original Rocky is the best of the franchise, and I doubt that's going to change with the release of Rocky Two. Um, Creed Two. Uh, yes, excuse me, excuse me. Um, my number two choice is kind of a toss-up, but ultimately I decided to go with Creed as my number two pick of the entire franchise, okay. followed very closely by Rocky Three. This is the one from my childhood that I watched the most. As a kid, it was my favorite until I grew up and realized that part one was by far superior, but it has great characters in it, great lines, 
and uh, <laughs> most of them coming from Mr. T and Hulk Hogan. Then my number four pick would probably be number four, where Rocky fights Ivan Drago after Creed. Uh, Creed, what's his first name again? Apollo. Apollo Creed. Creed. How could I forget? Carl that? Weathers. Right. Um, number five would be Rocky Balboa. This is a good movie. There's nothing wrong with it. It's just kind of a placeholder film. It's the kind of one that people forget about. Then another one that people kind of forget about. But again, there's nothing terribly wrong with it. And it's pretty good is part two, directed by Sylvester Stallone. And then there's the one that is in last place. No surprise, probably going to be last in yours. Part five. But again, I would rather watch part five than a lot of other bad boxing movies or just bad movies in general. I would watch it just to be just to have those relive those childhood memories all over again. Just because it's a Rocky movie. Right. So mine's actually very similar. Rocky 1 is the best and Mm -hmm. Creed 1 I view as the second best. Very similar there. I have Rocky 3 as third as you did. Okay. This is unprecedented, Cole. And now I'm going to slide in Creed 2 right here. Okay. Well, and this, you know, I haven't seen this, so this is going well so far. Yes. So that's for those of you trying to figure out where this new one ranks in the echelon from a couple Rocky fans. It's right up there. Good. After Creed 2, I would put Rocky 2. I really enjoy the rehash of the fight. They examine similar themes, but in a yeah. different way. I think Rocky 2 is amazing. And to be fair to Rocky 2, it's the one that I've seen the least. So it's I probably need to just revisit it. Yeah. Rocky IV is hilarious and has a great soundtrack, but it's not actually good. And so I have it down here, then Rocky Balboa, and then Rocky V. Wow, we were really close on that, Cole. Mm -hmm. Wow. Okay, so it sounds like I need to log on to YouTube, check out the Rocky Marathon this weekend. Because you can. And especially brush up on Rocky II. There you go. And I bet it would change, go from number six to jumping higher up on the list. Well, if you're not watching Rocky all weekend and let's say you're shopping on Black Friday, you're probably going to be spending time looking for deals on movies, electronics, video games, TVs, anything that usually costs hundreds of dollars, right? Well, our very own Mickey Randall is here to give us yet another option of how we can spend our money on Black Friday. Hey, Screen Cleaning listeners. I'm Mickey Randall, and lately I've been pretty fascinated with collecting. I mean, remember those old baseball cards you used to have? Maybe they're worth something now, or maybe they're junk. But such is the nature of collecting. And in accordance with that nature, society has an upgraded collecting pursuit. Now listen up, because it's pretty crazy. It's called Crypto Kitties. In the fashion of cryptocurrency like Bitcoin, CryptoKitties are adorable kitties that you collect online. So basically, some artwork and a few lines of code. No two kitties are alike, and each have individual cat attributes, like blue fur or green eyes. You can breed the cats to create new cat attributes or pass on old ones. The rarer the cat attribute, the more expensive the kitty. The prices range from a few dollars to upwards of $200,000. And yes, people do buy and sell the expensive ones. Now, don't get too excited. You can only purchase CryptoKitties with a currency called Ethereum, which is similar to Bitcoin and exists only online. According to the New York Times, there are about 180,000 CryptoKitty users in December of 2017. Now, that's a lot of cat pictures. 
Since the launch of CryptoKitties, other collecting websites have sprung up like CryptoPuppies and Crypto Masterpieces, where you can buy your own digital version of a Van Gogh. Now, if you're like me, you might be scoffing at this whole idea, but just keep in mind that though it may sound ridiculous, it's hardly different from buying a pack of baseball cards. And when you really think about it, we're all collectors. I mean, think about your house. Do you have a ton of books in there? That's a collection. Or maybe you have a repertoire of jokes? Also a collection. And really, who knows? You might have the 1952 Mickey Mantle of Crypto Kitties. And that is worth a lot. I know we talk a lot about movies on this show, but screen cleaning is first and foremost an entertainment show. That includes TV, sports, we even did a show about video games. But today we're going to be talking about another entertaining activity, board games. And we've got an avid gamer with us here on the show today. His name is Jacob Gowans. He received a Bachelor of Arts in Theater Studies at Brigham Young University. He's a published author, and Jacob, we're going to need to have you on the show to talk about that another time. Uh, A Tale of Light and Shadow is one of the book series, and uh, Scion Beta, which I actually narrated. You should check it out. And he's currently a practicing pediatric dentist in Georgia. And as I said, he is an avid gamer. And he's going he's gonna to spend some time with us here today to tell us what it's all about. Jacob Gowans, welcome to Screen Cleaning. Thank you. I'm really happy to be here. So first of all, one thing that uh, – the, the way that you and I met was back at college in a storytelling mm-hmm. class. And yep. I am not an avid gamer. I was a little blown away when I entered your home and saw just the wall of games that you have there. <laughs> but it seems like a lot of these role-playing games and, and tabletop games, there's an element of storytelling involved. Do you Definitely. find that that's true? Oh, yeah. Um, in fact, that's one of the things that I prefer about uh board games you know when you when you play board games when you play a game over and over again or if you play with a group over and over again that that dynamic kind of becomes its own narrative to where you kind of remember you know let's say i'm playing a game that has a betrayal element in it uh if you're the person who betrayed somebody last time in in, in a previous game they're your your game playing buddies are less likely to trust you in a, in a, in a forthcoming game because of that interesting so yeah. you know clearly on this show we don't really advocate like poker playing or anything like that or gambling. <laughs> but do you find that when you when you play with somebody often enough, these tabletop games, do you find that you can tell what that person's going to do next or what their strategy is going to be just based on how often you've played with them? Are there are there tells that they have? Yeah, I mean, you can kind of if you play enough with people like my dad, for example. Uh, my dad's a terrible liar, and, and we've all <laughs> kind of gotten used to knowing when he's bluffing or if he's like the bad guy in a game. We'll we'll figure it out pretty quickly because he's just really bad at it. Yeah. So I know that you've played with a ton of different people. In fact, you it seems like you have like a weekly game night that you host at your home, playing all sorts mm-hmm. of different games. Is there some kind of a social contract that you have with these players? Or in other words, is there like a, a general set of rules, whether they're actually spoken or if they're more unspoken rules? I'm curious to know what type of gaming etiquette is involved. So I, I, I do host a weekly game night. And when I set up, I recently moved to Georgia and I, and I set up a new gaming group and I actually sent them the rules that I expected them to follow 
before our first game night. And I'm not going to go over all of them, but like a couple big ones to me are, first of all, you got to be a good sport about playing a board game. I mean, no one wants to play with a sore loser or a sore winner, but also <laughs> I don't want to play board games with somebody who's going to be on their cell phone the whole time, you know? Ooh, that's so that's one. one. That's, that's one of my big ones is just be there to play the game and not to do other things. And then uh, if you're playing board games at someone's house and you don't own the board game, you should always ask them if you can put a drink or food on the table because board games are expensive. I mean, you're, you're, you're looking at 20, 30 minimum to sometimes uh, uh, 80 to $100 maximum for a board game. So spilling a drink on a game can be like ruining someone's you know, $100 board game. Sure, sure. I, I want to tell you a little story. I'm not going to name names, but uh, <laughs> I recently played a game with someone and found out very quickly that this person was ruining any possibility that I had of winning the game. So I then took it upon myself to completely sabotage that person's chances of winning, so neither of us could really make any progress. This person <laughs> uh, then proceeded to uh, very subtly lift, took the board, grabbed the board by his or her hands, and launched it across the room. <laughs> and I said, okay, I guess we're done here. Anyway, it probably wasn't very nice for me to do that. Um <laughs> Just an interesting aside I thought you might find funny. Okay, let me let me take this in a little bit of a different direction here. So mm -hmm. it's kind of a two-part question. First of all, I'm curious to know how many games you currently own. And secondly, you know, with so many options that we have on Friday and Saturday night to go to the oh. movies or stay home and watch a movie, there's just so many options for entertainment. What sort of an argument would you make for board games and staying home and playing a board game? Uh, so I currently own around 400 games plus plus expansions, and that's. Wow. Uh, Does your wife have some sort of a rule with you that once you reach a certain number of board games, you have to get rid of one of the others or several of the others? Um, once we run out of space, that's probably when we'll have to have that conversation. <laughs> once it's the question between getting more board games or giving up a kid, then yeah, that's <laughs> that's when it's too much. It's when you that's cross the right. line. That's. That's a pretty decent sized collection, I guess. Um, the uh, The reason why I prefer board gaming to like watching a TV show or playing a video game, even, is because you know you're actually interacting with people, um, and that I think is what makes the memory so much more sweeter than uh, just going to a movie and enjoying something together or playing a video game at the same time and you know, getting a headshot on somebody is when you play a board game, you're looking them in the eye. And if they, if they backstab you, like in the game of Thrones game that I love, you have that interpersonal connection that that's like something that they're, they're looking you in the eye when they, you know, betray <laughs> you and, and take away your, 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 uh, territory or, uh, kick you out of the game. So, I mean, it's, it's a very personal experience and it, it makes for great memories. So if, if you want to go down, you want to go down while staring that person in the eyes. <laughs> absolutely absolutely so you mentioned a couple of them i'm curious to know other than you know the social aspect of it let, let's talk about kids for instance i've got three sure. kids you've got like at least a dozen um <laughs> what are the benefits of board games for children that are you know still very much learning and absorbing everything that they see and and do i think the number one thing that that it teaches kids is how to lose and I think it's an important lesson for kids to learn. You know, a lot of kids, when they first start playing board games, if they lose, they're going to cry and they're going to throw a fit. 
and they're going to blame somebody for them losing. And it takes it takes a little bit of time and maybe a little bit of warning to say, hey, if you keep acting like that, you can't play games with us. That the, the child learns to deal emotionally with losing, and um, that's that can be learned in other ways too, sports and stuff. But games, it's a really simple way. But beyond that, it teaches them, I think, to solve problems, to think critically, to do math, to exercise logical thinking. So all those things, they really do teach children to to. Um, you know, to think outside the box. I mean, I watch my kids play games with me and it's really amazing to see them slowly grasp strategy and, uh, you know, learn how to even beat me sometimes. So, uh, Jacob, we, we've got a, a few minutes left in this segment. I just wanted to ask you if you could give us some ideas for, you know, clearly there are different scenarios in which people play games and you obviously cannot play every game in every scenario. So I was hoping mm-hmm. that you could give us like your favorite two-player game and your favorite game to play with a large group and your fat your favorite fast game or your favorite long haul game could you give us some uh, uh, some examples there sure uh, my favorite two-player game is called twilight struggle it's a war game that reenacts the cold war and it is one of the best games as far as two people staring each other down from the opposite side of a board and making really tough decisions every turn um, you have to give it a few games to really get get the feel of it under your belt. But once you do, it um, it becomes one of the one of the best games you can play as far as just pure strategy. Um, now I'll mention a couple other two player games that are quicker because Twilight Struggle can take two to three hours. But if you want a couple of quick two player games, uh, Patchwork is fantastic. Um, it's simple enough that even a, a children can grasp it, but they'll slowly learn to see how much depth it has in strategy um and also lord of the rings the confrontation for people who are kind of fantasy nerds it's kind of uh, lord of the rings confrontation is kind of like stratego and kind of like chess and it's just a really fun quick little game that two people can play now if you're playing with a larger group let's say eight to ten people my favorite game is resistance avalon and that's where uh you play as teams trying to half the team is our supporters of Merlin and the other half are the minions of Mordred trying to defeat the 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 good guys the the servants of Arthur and it's a bluffing game with deduction trying to figure out who are the bad guys and who are the good guys and um there's lots of accusations and it can be just a really fun game but some people are really bad at bluffing some people are really bad <laughs> like at social dad. games <laughs> and so and so for those people I would recommend a game called Captain Sonar which is a, a a game up for up to eight people where they take command of two submarines trying to sink each other in kind of like a game of battleship, but but much more complex and much more tense. Uh, it's just a great game where um, it, it ends up kind of boiling down to people just shouting orders to try to get their submarines moved around this board, and it's just a fantastic game. Now, for long-haul games, if you want a game that's like – when I think of long-haul, I think of games that you play in multiple settings over maybe the course of days or weeks, maybe even months. Gloomhaven is the hot game right now. Um, it will take you uh, – it takes – I've heard over 100 hours to play. It's a cooperative Whoa. game. Yeah, yeah. You play on the same team, and you can you can set it up and take it down and save where you're at. The guy who did it, his name is Isaac Childress. He did a, a Kickstarter run that earned him almost $400,000 in income. And then when he did a second Kickstarter for the same game, he brought in millions of dollars because this game is just so hyped. Holy cow. And uh, I'm getting my copy in October, and I'm just so excited to play it. 
Well, Jacob, uh, we, we need to take a break, but I, out of all those games that you mentioned, I think I've heard of one, which is Stratego. And I think my total lack of board game knowledge is going to hurt me because when we return, Cole is going to give us some trivia dealing with board games and movies, and we'll see who's the real aficionado. I'll tell you right now, it's going to be Jacob. Welcome back to Screen Cleaning with Jeff Simpson. I'm speaking with Jacob Gowans, who, among many other things, is an avid gamer, and uh, he owns over 400 board games. I am feeling kind of inadequate in the board game department now because I don't have that many, and I think the most obscure one I have is Ticket to Ride, which would probably make Jacob laugh. Anyway, we're going to test out some of our board game and gaming and movie knowledge right now. And Cole has put together a little trivia game for us. And uh, Cole, why don't you explain how it's going to go down? You betcha. So this is a game called Trivia Quest, which bears some similarities, I guess you could say, to a certain trivial board game. Except in this case, the winners will not get any pie. Woohoo! No, you won't get pie. Yeah, I'm still excited. Are you sure? Yeah. (laughs) All right. Well, let's play for the fun of it then. In this game, there are two different categories. We have games that are featured and show up in movies and TV shows. And then we have movies that were based on games. Okay. And we're going to take turns. We have to give Jeff a little bit of a handicap as he plays. Yes. Uh, And so he'll get his (laughs) own question to answer. uh, And then we'll also be able to give our honored guest his own question to answer. Let's do it. All right. Uh, Jeff, would you like to let our esteemed associate go first? That would only be proper. I think so. All right. So to start off, in the first Harry Potter movie or book, what chess piece does Ron take over for in the final chess game? A knight. That is correct. It is a knight. (laughs) I knew that one, but I knew for sure you would know it too. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> All right, Jeff, you're next. Again, in the category of <sighs> games showing up in movies. Okay. Sounds what was the name of the monster from Dungeons and Dragons that the kids <laughs> fight in Stranger Things? Oh, I didn't know that was from Dungeon, Dungeon, ah, Dungeons and Dragons. I've just been watching Stranger Things. The first edition, too. It's one of the premier mm-hmm. monsters. I should have gone first. Um, I the only thing I know about Dungeons and Dragons is the movie had Jeremy Irons in it. Is the answer Jeremy Irons? No, the monster was not <laughs> Jeremy Irons. I bet Jacob knows. Would you like to steal Jacob? I believe it was the Demogorgon. It was oh, the Demogorgon. Ding, 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 ding. Yes. Okay. Oh, good for you. <laughs> so for those keeping track at home, it is two to nothing. Jeff is trailing. Oh wait, he gets that point. He, oh, because he stole it. He okay. Does. He might right. get two right. if we were going to play it the exciting way. Okay. <laughs> Let's keep it going. All right, Jacob. Would you like to stay in this category, or do you want to go with movies based on? Let's go movies based on. All right. True or false, in the movie Battleship, Liam Neeson utters the line, They sunk our battleship. Uh, I haven't seen that movie, but I will guess. I will guess false. It is false. Oh, there were a lot of things wrong with that movie. And that's one of them could have been much improved by (laughs) Liam Neeson being able to say that. 
Wow. Good for them, though. Even they in had, that movie? That line, that, movie? that line had to be in there. It had to. But it wasn't. No one says that line. Mm. Wow. Not Rihanna, not Taylor Kitsch. Rihanna was in that movie? Rihanna was in that movie. Okay. My turn. All right, okay. Jeff. What category? Let's go about board or about games. Movies about games. Okay. Which of the following Hasbro Toys or Games movies have been directed or produced by Michael Bay? Battleship, Ouija, G.I. Joe Rise of the Cobra, or Transformers? I believe the only one he did not have a hand in was Ouija, and uh, so he was involved in all the others. Final answer. That is incorrect. Jacob, do you have a steal? Uh, I will guess. I'll say he wasn't involved in... uh, I know now. I know what it is. Ouija or um, G.I. Joe. Also incorrect. Oh, wow. Michael Bay was the producer of the Ouija movie. Wow. Which is a little outside his wheelhouse, it seems. Yeah. But he was not anywhere near Battleship, despite all the explosions and Michael Bay stuff. I read something about him. Nor was he in G.I. Joe. Okay. Mm. Wow. I guess we don't know our Michael Bay very well. Yeah. Okay, so that was Jacob's no that out. was Jacob's wrong answer, right? So now it's my turn. Is that what you said? That was your wrong answer. <laughs> and now it's back <laughs> He's to Jacob's. To steal my question. Okay. It's still three to nothing. All right. Thank you for the reminder. Mm-hmm. Of course. Which category <laughs> would you like, Jacob? Uh let's go back to the other one that I was doing better in. You got it. What is the famous two player game that John Locke is seen playing in the beginning of the television show Lost? That would be backgammon. It is, in fact, Whoa! My goodness! There are two sides, light and dark. Yeah. And they never really go anywhere with that uh, that little clip, it seems like. Until I know. Like they actually season. do. I guess they do. Yeah. I know. I really wanted to see who won that backgammon game. <laughs> okay. Well, I know who's going to win this game, but just give me the next question anyway. Okay. So we'll stay in the same category then for you. Uh, what is the fictional game called that Ben Wyatt invents? In the television show Parks and Recreation. <laughs> oh, it's like cones and uh, <laughs> cones and thrones, or uh, it's like uh, adventure to to Mordor or something like that. I know it has cones in it. There were cones. The Jacob, cones. Would you like- I I oh. have no. I cannot remember, and I love love that show. Okay, Jacob, you can steal. Cones of Dunshire. Cones. I knew. Of so I got to get half a point at least. I knew there was cones in the title. <laughs> you can have half of a point, and Woo-hoo! Jacob will get the other half. All right. You're still losing. <laughs> okay, but that was his question, right? No. All right. Still no. See, okay. I don't think I want to play games with Jeffrey. He cheats a little bit, doesn't no, he? No, I don't cheat. <laughs> I just don't know any of the right answers. Oh, uh, okay. All right. Next, uh, back over to the movies based on games. And this is actually a movie based on a game that didn't happen, and then they made the game out of it later. Uh, in the movie Jumanji, Jacob. I knew Jumanji was going to come, come up on. Complete the line. Don't be fooled, it isn't thunder. Oh. Uh, don't be fooled, it isn't thunder. Oh. Um... Some I don't know. Jeffrey, can you steal? Uh, don't be fooled. It isn't thunder. 
I come from the land down under. <laughs> That's terrible. <laughs> Not quite. Staying put would be a blunder. Oh, it was on the tip of my tongue. And then the stampede comes through the bookshelf. That's right. Okay. I knew it was the stampede, but I couldn't think of the word that rhymed with thunder. Okay, that That's... one I know was not my question. Correct. Okay. And because you allowed Jacob to go first, you get the final question. Jack. Is this it? I think this, the final one? this, should, be worth, this should be worth five points. This oh, one's worth thank you. about five points. Okay. Give or take. Unless he gets it right, then I take that back. <laughs> right. <laughs> so for this to be worth, we can have this be worth five points if you can answer it in its entirety. Okay. How about that? Let's go for it. In the movie Clue, yes. who was the killer? Ah, this is a trick question. Okay. Maybe. Do you want the order? Because l- listen, let me give you a little history about the movie Clue. When the movie <laughs> Clue was released... The marketers of the film thought it would be a clever marketing gimmick. And we're wrong. To o- hold on. To only show one of the endings and so that uh, theater goers would have to see it multiple times to see the other endings. It was a horrible mistake. Didn't work. The movie did not uh, make a lot of money. In the, the version that people in our generation are used to, if you're going on the the one of the endings, it's Mrs. Peacock. If you're going on another ending, it's uh, Miss Scarlet. But here's what actually happened. Tim, exactly. Tim Curry. Tim Curry was the killer. However, however, every one of the characters kills at least one person, including the only one who wasn't a quote unquote killer. Mr. Green or Michael McKeon of Spinal Tap fame. Final answer. I think that's worth about five points, don't you? (laughs) Finally, you you named a movie that I'm familiar with and I love. Wow. Jacob, good work. I Applause all around. Mostly to Jacob, though. Wow. (laughs) That was an impressive answer. Well, his name is Jacob Gallons. We've had a great time with him here on Screen Cleaning. He's an avid board gamer as well as a pediatric dentist in Georgia. And we were so lucky to have him on the show. And he gave us some ideas of how we can spend our Friday and Saturday nights together. When we return, we're going to do a little panning for good. This is Screen Cleaning. Cole, before we get to our panning for good segment, we've got to talk about this because this would be our panning for good segment normally, but we already had one planned. So I'm going to tell you about it because it is just a heroic, great story. Good news in the entertainment world. That's what we're all about. That's what we do, Cole. And Twitter is starting to become a place where people can uh, turn to for help. You saw James Woods using his account for good, where normally it would be very controversial. He was kicked off of Twitter at one point, (laughs) but now he's back on and he was helping people that were um, misplaced or that were in danger in the California fires that were going on. So he received a lot of praise for that. And not to say that he's seeking this praise. He just based on his tweets, you can tell that 
he's doing this because he wants to do good. And he's not the only one. There are other people that are stepping in and that are turning to social media to help other people. Well, this one could have ended really bad, and I hope that it has a happy ending in the end. He heard about somebody, a a vet, that wanted to commit suicide. This is the tweet from the vet. I'm on Twitter every day. I retweet all the time, but this is the first time I've... Uh, first tweet I've ever written. I'm a veteran. I love America. I'm going to kill myself tonight. I've lost everything. I have nobody. Nobody cares. I'm in a parking lot with my dog and everything I own. Bye. Sounds very final, very sad. And somebody who served our country, it's just not right, Cole. So James Woods hops onto Twitter, starts tweeting. Tell me where you are is the first tweet that he does. Later, we can talk. I don't care what anybody thinks, do you? Let's have a conversation, just you and I. Um, He goes on to say, someone said you're Andrew in Orlando. I'm not trying to trap you. Let's just talk. You also have your dog, your little schnoot, boy or girl. He's just trying to start a conversation, keep him alive as long as he can. I'm following you now so you can DM me. We can talk privately or we can talk openly right here. A lot of people worried about you right now. Um. And he talks about this um, statistic that approximately 20 vets a day take their lives across the country. And veterans accounted for 14% of all adult suicide deaths in the U.S. in 2016. So he goes on. So let's uh, so think about this. A lot of vets, I understand, have come to where you are tonight. If you could just push this decision off tonight, at least, maybe you would also inspire another vet to seek help. You could save another, yeah. You could save another man by uh, waiting to do this. Then he talks about how he's driving across the country. He's going to be sitting in a motel room all night. He's available to talk. I won't push you into anything. Let's just talk. And basically, by staying on Twitter and communicating with others. He goes on to say, if only Andrew could see the thousands of fellow Americans who are pulling for him. It's like he's lost behind enemy lines and we're cheering him home, willing him to survive. Andrew, do this for the other 21. The good news is he heard from somebody else tweeting that uh, somebody said, thank you to all who were praying and helping. I'm hearing he's home safe and sound asleep. Praise God. James Wood says, I'm hoping this is true. I think now he probably needs less focus on him from all of us while his loved ones give him the solace he needs. Thanks to all of you who worked to save a valuable life. My heart breaks for the other 21 vets and others who didn't make it tonight. Then he shares a resource for vets that are having these that are having these thoughts or that just need help in general. Um, apparently, Gary Sinise has a foundation set up to help vets, and you can go online to, to hear more about that. Really heroic efforts on social media and the kind of efforts that, you know, many people think he's a celebrity. He's got all this money. He doesn't need to be doing this type of thing. And it really is inspiring and it makes you think, I really ought to be doing this, trying to make a change in others' lives, especially in the life of of somebody who has served our country and deserves better than this and deserves better than to come back and have all this post-traumatic stress and have to deal with all these horrible thoughts going through his head. So we applaud James Woods, but anybody who has a hand in helping our veterans or anybody who is in, in, help, or in need of help. So thank you.
And this is very fitting. It's just right after Veterans Day. As you know, we like to end each one of our shows with our panning for good segment. There's good in them dire hills. Well, our guest today, Jacob Gowans, uh, the avid gamer, gave us a few ideas for games that we could play together in a small group, a large group, uh, fast games, long games. I'm going to give you a lesser-known game that actually has amazing reviews on Amazon, and we know the creators of this game. It's a little game called Cover Your Assets. And uh, I, the the title is a little tongue-in-cheek, I realize, but uh, Cover Your Assets is a game that's basically like a mix between risk and war, okay? So you have all these different assets, like you have baseball cards, you have cash under the mattress, then you have things that are a little more valuable, like cars or jewels, then you have the coveted home, they all have different values, and uh, then there are a couple of wild cards, such as a silver card and a gold card, also with uh, a higher value. Okay, now you pair these assets together, and you alternate stacks, one on top of the other. Okay, are you with me so far? Gotcha. And what you try to do is you obviously want to have the most amount of money by the end of the game. The way you do that is by putting down your own assets or stealing other people's assets. The reason it's called cover your assets is because the first one you put down, nobody can steal. Anything on top of that is fair game. The reason it's kind of like war is because if you want to steal somebody's somebody's asset, you have to show them that you have one of those cards in your hand, and in order to defend themselves, they have to have one in their hand as well. So it's a ton of fun. It's very, I don't want to say it's addicting. It, it is, but it is a, a ton of fun. It has a 95 per, 95% of the people gave it a five-star rating on Amazon. And we're talking hundreds of reviews. So check it out. It's probably only 10 or 12 bucks. Well worth it. You'll get tons of fun out of it. And uh, that's what we do on Screen Cleaning. We give you only the very best in entertainment, and that includes board games. That's going to do it for today's episode of Screen Cleaning. Make sure to join us next week. We're here every Friday on BYU Radio at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific, as well as Saturdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. Thanks for listening to Screen Cleaning.